1: Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners, from Los Angeles to Long Island, make your second half of life even better than the first. For many decades, we've held a conventional assumption that the peak ages of creativity are between 39 and 42. Well, it ain't necessarily so, says poet and writer and teacher Priscilla Long in her recently published book, Dancing with the Muse in Old Age. In fact, our older years, she says, are a prime time to flourish in creative productivity. Even a prime time to begin creative work. In today's episode, Priscilla reflects on new ways of looking at old age as a dynamic time full of connections to others and deeply satisfying work. Her book provides examples of hundreds of prominent people who grew very old while living remarkably creative lives, many of them in the arts, but others in a wide range of fields and endeavors. Yes, Priscilla acknowledges ageism can poison creativity, but she challenges these deep and often unconscious prejudices affirming that in our older age, creative work can truly thrive. And these opportunities are not merely for the brilliant, exceptional elders. They're for all of us. She offers a series of questions we should ask ourselves as we strive to shape an old age of flourishing well-being, learning, and engagement in creative work, while she also helps reshape the future of the middle age, the young, and generations to come. So now let's meet our guest, Priscilla Long. Priscilla, welcome to the show.
2: Thank you for having me. It's great to be here.
1: It's great to have you. Yes. Um, uh, Now, I just wanted to mention that uh, uh, people can read more about Priscilla, uh, you know, on on my website, rowellresources.com. Click on the 45 forward tab and you can see a bio for Priscilla. Um, She's a a long established writer, poet, editor, a longtime independent teacher of writing. Um, So she's written six books, but I'm, I'm so I'm particularly interested though, In how you got to this book, you know, what actually
2: seven books, seven books. Okay,
1: (laughs) we're up to seven. Good. Lucky seven. Good. So, um, uh, but so let's, you know, this book is about one of my uh, uh, pet subjects, you know, a lot of it's about ageism, but how do we deal with that? Um, So how did you come across? How did you decide to write this book?
2: Well, the first and main reason is that I am going to be 80 in actually in two weeks. And hmm. uh, of course, it took me about four years to do the research. There's a lot of research in it, although it doesn't hopefully read like it's a, It's not a scholarly book. It's a friendly book. <laughs> but um, but um, I felt I needed to uh, go into cross this threshold, I would say, into old age or older age with scientific knowledge more not you know there's a lot of actually pretty new science i mean there's kind of science is getting old like the brain remains plastic throughout life things like that we we've known that for a long time but there's actually some new science and so i wanted to know what it was and also i needed models of old and, I mean, ancient people who, who are people like that I would want to be when I grow up. Um, you know, like, uh, Wayne Tebow at age 90, the paint, California painter, Wayne Tebow, um, Mm -hmm. who, um, um, started a new body of work at age 98. Like, thank you. I'm very interested in that. That's what I want to (laughs) do.
1: Yeah, I, I, I hear you, you know, and, and, um, uh, it it's, it's not a logbook, but it is packed. There's a lot of stuff in it. That, and so I could tell, you know, I've been a journalist, I can read uh, something and say, ooh, this this took a lot of work. It's it's under the iceberg there, but it's, I can tell that there's a lot of research. And interestingly, you know, um, all your references in the books you mentioned and, and articles and studies is like, oh, this isn't real. There's been a lot of work on this. So that was, it was good to see that, you know, that you're really encapsulated a body of work. That in this yeah whole area. yeah,
2: I think I really covered the the field as they say, I covered the literature and every everything I did, I learned for myself as well as for our community. Uh, so it's an, it's an offering to the community, but also for myself that I needed to know these things and I needed to um, I have there are so many, I mean there are different statistics in the book and of course those must be cited. You can't just like I don't I didn't make them up. <laughs> I, right. I found them. And for example, here's a here's one of my favorite statistics. Can I tell you one sure, more? Sure, absolutely. Statistics? Mm-hmm. Um so it is <clears throat> that a quarter of marathon runners in their 60s can be expected to outperform more than half of their competitors between the ages of 20 and 54. Wow. And why is that? Because aging is changing. Mm. And um, the old way, and I'm not an athlete, but I'm very impressed by some of these athletes. But the old way is when you get to a certain age, you quit training. Mm. And the new way is when you get to a certain age, you don't quit training. And the same is true of dancers, where Mm. it used to be, I think, that a dancer would at age 40, that was old. You know, and um, then you have dancers like I don't know if you've heard of Carmen de Lavalade, which who I hadn't heard of. But um, she said coming up, she saw Martha Graham and Jose Limon, and they were way over 40 and they were still dancing. Um, So um, um, I think that aging is changing. Athletes, you know, many, many athletes aren't quitting training.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah.
2: And if I can talk about another athlete. Absolutely. (laughs) Um, um, So Don Pelman, he became the first person older than 100 to run 100 meters in fewer than 27 seconds. (laughs) (laughs) And he also has world records in long jump, high jump, discus throw and pole vault. Mm. And so, um, you know, So what does this have to do with me? Because I'm not a very, I'm not an athletic person. And also I don't enjoy sports. So, so there, (laughs) so what does this have to do with me? Well, um, what, how it teaches me something is that he did not say, oh, now I'm 100 years old. So now I can't run anymore. Mm -hmm. He did not say that. And he he trained, you know, he kept training. And so he was able to achieve some of his goals. I mean, he didn't actually achieve all of all, all the world records he set out to achieve. He did not achieve, but mm-hmm. he did achieve some of them. And people say, oh, yeah. And where's the competition? In fact, there was competition.
0: Actually.
1: Mm. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so yeah. but so what how I can translate and use him as a model um, even though what he does is far distant from what I do is that my goal is to write 10 more books see and I think I can do that mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. that's going to be um, my goal so um, I mean he's one of the the um, the athletes uh, but there are many as you said there were there are many um, other, yeah. other artists
1: yeah and I think that you know, we, we're getting a little glimpse of this. You can see, um, you know, high level, um, professional athletes, you know, the, the much uh, talked about Tom Brady, you know, who's finally retiring, and you know, he, um, you know, he's uh, what I guess 45, you know, but but it, so it's not somebody who's 100, and yet there is now some recognition, like that, I mean, I think his last year was actually his best year statistically, you know, instead yeah, of yeah. 25, you know, so we're sort of getting it that, that it, it's about, it's about the discipline of practice and, and, and not stopping. I, I remember a little while ago looking at this, um, listening to this interview with this woman, I forget her name, but she was a, a pract- practicer of yoga and, you know, she was standing on her head against the wall and, the interview you said, Well, how do you do that? She was 90, okay. And she said, I never stopped.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. 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 And and um and of course, um uh many artists start late. Right. So you can also start late, as you mentioned, also. Um, and and I think everyone knows about Anna Mary Robertson Moses, mm-hmm. right? Which right. we used to call grandma. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> And so I'm. I'm on the uh, team of uh, trying to get everyone to remember her real name. Anna nice, Mary Robertson Moses, and she. Um, and of course, she. She was a long time ago, but she definitely is a model of growing old because um, she. When she she started painting when she was seven in her seventies, mm-hmm. and she said, I mean, she was kind of a good at public relations and she Mm -hmm. called herself grandma of course but that was the 1950s i mean now we're in in later time um but um she uh she said well i just didn't have time to paint before but actually um if you look at it closely um she was she used to um she didn't like develop out of nowhere which no one does we all have our experiences that we mm-hmm. develop out of even if we change direction so she used to do these extremely elaborate embroideries she would design them and there would be you know different colors and they would be big these big embroideries with little roads and little houses and little people and everything and she had got arth- arthritis in her hands um so severely that she couldn't handle the ne- needle anymore so she switched to painting and the rest is history of course mm-hmm. and so um and that's very that's a common thing when an artist um reaches their 90s or late 90s um and can can no longer are two their they their physical limitations come about and so, what do they do? These models that I have, um, they um, they don't quit. They switch media. Mm-hmm. They switch. They, um, they um, so, um, or or let's take Alma Thomas, who was a. Um, she died in nineteen seventy eight. But in Washington D.C., there have just been two large exhibitions of her work. She was a fabulous colorist, and she was trained in art, but then she spent. The many decades teaching art to children, which is a very common um, career path, I think, teaching. Um, and then um, she she retired and turned to her own work, mm-hmm. and she, you know, madly worked on her own work for the rest of her life, um, right. which was eighty seven, I think. And um, she had severe arthritis, and so she would paint. And then she broke her hip about five years before she died. So Mm -hmm. she would paint on her, she would put the canvas on her lap. And, and then um, later she had this thing rigged up. I don't quite understand it, but so that would hold her up so that she could paint standing up so she could paint bigger. Mm -hmm. And so she, she, she had her disability and Mm -hmm. A number, a significant number of the world-class creators that I talk about in the book are were actually disabled. Hmm. And that's important to know because it's not like you become disabled and then you have to quit. No, no. And we know about Henri Matisse being, he started his cutout series, his famous jazz cutout series from a wheelchair. Um, hmm. And so uh, mostly we know about that. But the impressionist painter... Um, Renoir what was his first name
1: oh gosh was not Henri Renoir no no it was I uh, I think
2: uh, anyway I forget but in any case case, Renoir the famous uh impressionist painter um he was severely disabled for the last 30 years of his life with um rheumatoid arthritis so people don't know that and I think it's important to know because it's there these are not all able-bodied people they are disabled people. Some of them, they're just, they, they keep on, they do not stop. So, um,
1: yeah. And I think that you, you mentioned, um, in the book too, an interesting point that I uh, thought about, which was, you know, people, um, you know, they, if you say, well, you're in your twenties or 30, you have a career of 20, 30 years. So, you know, you're, Peaking maybe in in that sort of cycle in your late forties or fifties. Well, if you started at fifty, as you point out, you know by your seventies, eighties, and nineties, you could be peaking in that you know cycle. Yeah, a-
2: absolutely. And so, shall we talk about peak ages of creativity? Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: Well, we yes. Well, we got a few minutes before the break, but let's let's start. Okay, go ahead.
2: Uh, Okay. So, um, so these studies are first, I, I, I just have some, I have a chapter on it's called peak ages of creativity question mark. (laughs) Okay. That's the name of the chapter. Um, The studies um, are done. um, They measure popularity. Mm -hmm. So a poem that has been anthologized the most has is the greatest poem. Mm -hmm. They don't even have to read the poem. Uh, The, the, the art that is is reproduced the most in uh various art history books those are the greatest paintings the sociologist does not even have to look at the painting to and of course they need numbers they're sociologists so they need numbers um but um the the first um one uh, who did this in the 50s layman who who was um uh he was actually very concerned about the fact that there were very few women, but of course his books didn't have any women, any, mm. and also no people of color, like at all. Mm. So according to him, you know, it was all the great white men because of course that was his resource base is all of these art history books. Um, so, you know, very, and even the contemporary people, um, who are doing this work, are measuring commercial success and popularity. And commercial success is very nice, but is not artistic achievement. Now, I don't expect them to, you know, have debates about what's the better, what's the greater painting, this or that, you know. And anyway, what's the point of that anyway? That debate is, you know, a mm-hmm. very quaint at this point. But, But the point is they're not measuring greatness in art. They're measuring commercial successfulness. So that's one thing. And then another thing is that um, there is a correlation between productivity and so um, the, the new idea is that any given thing you make could become commercially successful. Mm -hmm. Um, or they would say great (laughs) no commercially successful um but and so the more you produce the more likely and the and the world-class creators actually create more like as they call masterpieces and also more duds and so that's a very interesting uh fact to me that um productivity is actually important so to keep working right and 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 also the work is like tremendously satisfying having nothing to do with um, the audience or who's going to see it or who's going to like it or who's going to buy it or all that stuff. You know, it's tremendously satisfying.
1: Right. Okay. Well, we're uh, we're going to stop right there and and we'll pick it up. We're going to take a short break, uh, but when we come back, we'll be talking much more with Priscilla Long, uh, a poet, a writer, and most recently of um, aging, uh, dancing in the age of the muse. Um. <laughs> uh, there's a lot more to talk about so don't go anywhere become our friend on Facebook post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline visit facebook.com forward slash voice america Channel.
2: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one
1: talk station. VoiceAmerica.com.
0: You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now
1: back to forty-five forward. Welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm talking with Priscilla Long, the author of the recently published book "Dancing with the Muse of Old in Old Age." And before the break, we were talking about you know creativity as we get older, and in fact, um, in some cases, um, uh, you know, artists in in their older ages produce um, what I think you call you know, sometimes transcendent work. So mm-hmm. talk about that, yeah. you know, I mean, I, I do think that, you know, your pr- career pr- progresses and you, you come up with new ideas, you know, and better ideas.
2: Yeah. Which and also um, uh, I think one of the characteristics of older age is your, one is less concerned about other people's opinions. Now in, in making art, this is very, very helpful because when you first start, when you first start making uh, a piece uh, whatever you're working in, um, uh, it's the it's a dialogue with the piece of work. It's not if you're if you start by saying, "Oh, will anybody like this? This will be awful, or this will will this be any good?" That is not not the way to start. The way to start is to have this dialogue with the piece of work that you're working on. So um, I think that's an advantage. Actually, I want to quote, if I can quote, if I may quote Wayne Thiebaud, mm-hmm. who said, who talked about the satisfaction of his painting life in his you know extreme old age he said working becomes your own little eden you make this little spot for yourself you don't have to succeed you don't have to be famous you don't have to be obligated to anything except that development of the self and several of the artists that i um have explored in in the book um have express something like that, the happiness that comes. yeah, let's talk
1: about death. that. You talk about that a little bit more because that you make a very interesting connection between the creativity and art and productivity and happiness in older age. So expand yeah. on that a bit. yeah.
2: yeah, well, I mean, as we know, one of the things that makes for a flourishing uh, life, not just old age but life, is um is to have a purpose have a passion Mm -hmm. and what i think about that is that um and people think oh do i have i don't you don't have to feel passionate at every minute that's not what it's about what it's about is you start some work even including new work and you persist in it and the then the work is what gives it back to you and it's very very pleasurable as a poet I can say to make a poem a new poem that that works it's very pleasurable and to work in such a way as in older age I work and in younger age I did not work to work without anxiety is just it's a very very satisfying way of life and then in in doing so there are also all kinds of other people doing the same thing. So there's this opportunity for connection, which we also need, of course. Mm-hmm. And so there are community around any endeavor that you'd want to 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 get into uh, new endeavor, old endeavor. And I think the um, the problem to think about is in a new endeavor, let's say you just start oil painting or you just start pottery or you just start becoming a poet. And what happens is that, you know, we're very enthusiastic and oh, it's all exciting. And then, of course, we get into the rough part. Uh, we get into the um and then that's the time not to quit. Mm-hmm. That's the time to keep go keep learning because, Making art of any kind or any creative endeavor, whatever it is, is always you're always learning something, and so to persist, and then it starts giving you back more and more,
1: right? Right, yeah. I, I think that that's um, that 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 connection, uh, and and of course, some of the other things you point out, some of the misperceptions about you know, um, happiness as we get older, um, uh. In many cases, you as a pun, you you get happier <laughs> because yeah, you, old you're, people,
2: you're... yeah, absolutely. You know, there's a the famous u curve um that's very interesting, and we'll talk about loneliness also, I think okay. later. but but um that there there are many, many studies, many studies across the world of many, many thousands of people. And they all come out pretty much the same, which is there's a happiness U-curve where young people and old people are happy people. So um, that's very interesting. And I think it's partly because middle-aged people often live with a lot of stresses. You know, your kids Mm -hmm. are teenagers, your mortgage isn't paid off, you're still working one job or two jobs or on and on. And so then, but that then changes starts to change and you have more opportunities uh, to uh, you know you have more hopefully you have more time if you're if you have enough money Well, many older people are continuing to work partly for financial reasons but partly because they don't want to just retire to sit around and then other people do retire or some many creators of course are freelance freelance Mm -hmm. people, and they, you know, you just never, you never quit. Um, But you can, uh, uh, so there's this sociologist, Sarah Lawrence Lightfoot, from Harvard, who interviewed her book um, is interviews of people who had careers, and they, they dropped them, kind of in middle age or late middle age, they dropped the career to do something they had always longed to do. Mm -hmm. And their experiences with that and often overcome at that point, able to overcome, you know, negative feedback from teachers. No, you'll never be an artist and that type of thing. Um, And, for example, one of the her she doesn't use their real names. So um, one of the sociology. (laughs) So one of them, um, one of them uh, loved opera, loved opera and always wanted to sing opera. And his mother told him, no, opera is for sissies. Hmm. So um, he became a very, you know, rather successful public health um, administrator. And um, then at age 70, he just started taking singing lessons, opera Hmm. singing lessons. And so that type of thing where you can also kind of start to shed some of the difficult things and the traumatic things that happened and at least to integrate them i don't know if you shed trauma but you can integrate it and and move on better you know as an older person and then some people for example leonard cohen the singer and leonard cohen um he had um he had um chronic depression Mm-hmm. severe, uncurable, untreatable, un, uh, I guess they say, you know, the drugs didn't work or whatever. And at about some eight, late, late middle age, it just went away. And that's very interesting. And that sometimes will happen Um yeah. people.
1: Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the stories I, I told that I thought was interesting was, uh, was about Jimmy Carter, you know, who, um, oh, of course, yeah. he, he becomes president, uh, and he does a couple of significant things, but it seems like you know, as you look at him, that his his creative capacity really seemed to be um, uh, unleashed, you know we've f- freed from from politics after he became president and and oh, that, yeah, and that uh, you know you, you you quote him and he says, um uh, and it's you know connecting that creativity older age to happiness. He says, you know, you know in in his book, The Virtues of Aging, Um, what should be our major goals as we prepare for our later years, you may be surprised to learn that I think one of them most important is our own happiness. You know, and I think that that's, you know, an important statement. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I do too. And I think that for us to become happier and more productive and more engaged and engaged with our communities, engaged with our, you know, families and, and, and so on. Um, and engaged with um, some sort of work. I mean, that is key, some sort of work. It doesn't have to be creative work, you know, but uh, it can be um, uh, working with children. It can be doing environmental social justice work. It can, one of the people in, in my book is um, a firefighter at age 85. He loves it. He loves mm-hmm. fighting fires. He has a whole community of fighting fires. He enjoys the danger and so right. on. Yeah. And so um, th- that, that, in itself, also, that's a contribution to to our, excuse me, our communities because we're modeling what old age can be. And in our society, um, and so Jimmy Carter, who's now in hospice and we're about to lose him, I think, um, Jimmy Carter, um, he he painted, he wrote, he not only did his famous mediating and peacemaking work, and he also, um, I think, eliminated that horrible parasite. There was a horrible parasite that he made it his business to see if he can help get rid of it, which he, I think there are like 12 left in the world or something mm-hmm. like that. Um, and he's hoping to get rid of those before he dies. Um, but also, he painted, he wrote, um, he built furniture. He was very, very uh, creative. It doesn't mean he's going to be a famous furniture maker or a famous painter, but it was kind of the joy of the making. Um, And just, yes, he really did flourish after his presidency.
1: And and two things that I really found interesting that you point out in the book is the first thing that you're just touching on now is what is creativity? We're not literally talking necessarily about producing a painting or being a dancer. But there, there are many ways to look at creativity and to acknowledge creativity. And next to that was when you talk about productivity. I think that was an important thing you mentioned, which is, and we look at productivity, unfortunately, in terms of paid productivity, which you point yeah. out is not the case.
2: Yeah, um, and and there was um, a study, or a big a big study do, done by the um, MacArthur Foundation on aging. And they really um, talked about any that we should redefine productivity, which is any activity that is paid or unpaid that generates goods or services of economic value, and that would include a lot of volunteer work. and And elders are very present in volunteer work, and also elder. I mean, this whole idea. I'm working against this idea that elders are dependent. Can we talk about it? Absolutely,
1: that? let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, uh,
2: so, uh, yeah. Elders are are essential to volunteer, and the and so you can have uh, two, um, you know, clerks or whatever you call it in a hospital store. One of them is paid, and one of them is volunteer. They're both doing exactly the same thing. You can have two people teaching a child to read and One is paid, and one is volunteer. Well, these are both productive people. I think that is very important. Um, you know, money isn't everything, okay. And then also, let's talk about this idea that old people are dependent because that's the big, you know, bugaboo. Um, um and and um, actually, so studies that cover the united states and 40 other countries big studies find that financial transfers go predominantly from older generations to younger ones well that means the younger people are the dependent ones not the older people which is fine you know that's Mm -hmm. as it should be Um, also older people are a major resource in philanthropy Mm -hmm. and so this there's this um this uh, organization that helps nonprofits to raise their money and sort of teaches them how best to fundraise, and they um, they they emphasize um, older people have the investments and they have the the will to um, to to donate money. Also, talking about old people being an economic force. Mm-hmm. Americans over the age of 50 control 77% of the total net worth of households. Americans over the age of 50 account for half of the disposable income. Americans over the age of 50 purchase half of all appliances, women's apparel, housing, groceries, takeout, entertainment, new cars, and new trucks. And Americans over the age of 50 purchase half of all toys.
1: (laughs) Right, right. So,
2: how is that for I mean that's not being dependent and, and being you know a parasite on the <laughs> on the economy. That's that's being that's contributing um to um the the economy. And then also um more and more old people are are, are actually working in the in the labor what's considered the labor source, which is the paid labor source.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. So a lot of what you talk about I, I find very um helpful to broaden how we look at things and so, you know, yes. Yeah, so the whole notion of who's giving and who's taking, Certainly certainly, certainly, you know, one, yes. mm-hmm. um, you, know, you know, one of the topics I talk about a lot is caregiving. So certainly as um, our loved ones or our parents often get older, yes, as they get older, we care for them, mm-hmm. but they're caring for us too, as you point out, in, in other ways that we don't not, maybe not literally you know caring for us the same way as when we were children but you know how we care for each other as a society i think it's important to really you know explode the old notions of what is what is caring and who is giving and who is contributing
2: so- yeah exactly and also um a, a lot of old people are cared are caretaking and you know some some you know there's There's a situation where the the adult child is caring for the parent, but there are also many situations where, um, and that's like as it should be also, absolutely. And Mm -hmm. those people should be cared for and the caretakers and the being cared for, but, and they're also still contributing. They're still your parent, you know, but um, it is also true that many old people are caring for other old people, their spouse, for example. And also it is true that many grandparents are raising their grandchildren right. the, the whole thing and not to mention of course grandparents who are not raising their their grandchildren but who are contributing very important uh, my grandmother um just without her you know i just wouldn't wouldn't be here you know really um yeah. and so grandparents have have a, a a tremendously important role to play which they are playing which yeah. they are are doing
1: yeah And I think that um, um, just adding on to that, I I think one of the lines in in your book is um, um, younger people do better when older people do better. And so uh,
2: that's absolutely true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In other words, yeah, the MacArthur, I think it was a MacArthur foundation did a study of South African um, families. And when the grandmother's, got a support a pension or something i'm not sure how it worked um their granddaughters all did better their granddaughters were better educated they were healthier um and so of i mean it makes sense of course grand the grandparents care for their their families and they are they help take care of them they help you know they help with the down payment they help with sending the grandchildren to co- all all these things to college all these things what and to whatever extent they can. And my grandmother, she had 10 grandchildren, and Mm. she would send us um, like $5. And of course, you know, every birthday, all 10. And you know, at the time I thought, oh, I was twenty, oh, five dollars, you know, what's this gonna buy me? You know, even back then, now it would not buy you a coffee. But anyway, um, but now thinking about it, see, she had a different sense of money. I mean, she didn't really realize that five dollars was not that much money, but but she carefully did that for each of her grandchildren and she deeply loved her grandchildren, and that was very, very important to to all of us, I think. Yeah. Um And so, um, yeah, and yeah.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Um, So I'm going to pick up on that, but we need to take another quick break. Um, But folks, uh, when we come back, we'll be talking much more with Priscilla Long. I've got a lot more questions for her, and I'm sure she has a lot more answers for me. So Mm -hmm. uh, don't go away. We'll be right back.
0: Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. Tune in to Melody Edmondson's The Space of the Waste radio program. This companion piece to her successful guidebook series, The Space of the Waste, focuses on body types and how to make your waist length flattering no matter what your body type is. Guests include designers, merchandise managers, factory owners, and more. You'll also find out what accessories will complement your body shape and waist length. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on Voice America Variety. self-improvement career advice and a variety of other topics check us out today you're sure to find something of interest voice america variety talk on today's hot topics tune in every friday to get your weekend kickoff early join the legendary g keith alexander for what's hot harlem america the flagship show of the new harlem america digital network has something for everyone from the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Rowell or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward.
1: Welcome back to 45 Forward, folks. We're talking with Priscilla Long, who is the uh, author of the recently published Dancing with the Muse of Old Age. So we're talking about all things about aging and ageism and aging well and aging with creativity and productivity. Um, one of the things that I, I liked about her book is that at, each, at the end of each section, um, Priscilla talks about, um, you know, how do you compose your life in old age, you know, taking that artistic approach. But so what do we want of our life? And, and as opposed to how do we want to just retire? Um, and you have a series, you know, you're a teacher of writing. And so you have a series of mm-hmm. writing props at the edge. So tell us a little bit about these props.
2: Yeah. So the book is is really um, not just there's a lot of information and, and a lot of the new science and all that, but it also, I hope it to be a sort of a workbook um, mm-hmm. in, in, um, in composing our lives. Not that we can control our lives, not that we can control our fate, but we can definitely influence our f- fate toward flourishing well-being. And so Um, Mary this uh, author Mary Catherine Bates wrote a book called composing a life which is where I got that from the idea of composing um, a life Um, and so I will just so at the end of each chapter there are writing prompts for anyone doesn't you don't have to be a writer um, to explore where you are now and then where what how would how would you like how would 5% better be what would that be like meaning that mm-hmm. we we don't crash diets don't work so for, i just would will read you um one um for example okay here is a quote from the cellist pablo casals the, the great cellist and mm-hmm. at age and this is in the chapter called the happiness of the old and he said at age 93 casal said for the past 8 80 years. I have started each day in the same manner. I go to the piano and I play two preludes and figures of Bach. I cannot think of doing otherwise. It is a sort of benediction on the house, but that is not its only meaning to me. It is a rediscovery of the world of which I have the joy of being part of. It fills me with awareness of the wonder of life, with a feeling of the incredible marvel of being a human being. The music is never the same for me, never. Each day it is something new, fantastic and unbelievable. So that's Casals. And then at the end of that chapter, the first um, question composing our lives, old age, Um, For each of these writing prompts, write for five or 10 minutes. You just write, you know, uh, you don't worry about being correct or being, Mm -hmm. you know, nothing. You just write, take a notebook and write down. Taking Pablo Casals' early morning piano practice as a model. Is there some pleasure, some action or activity that might become a daily practice toward amplifying the world's beauty? Mm -hmm. Sitting in the garden, listening to a piece of music. Walking on the beach, or in a park, or in the woods, and then write on the possibilities. Um, and then, um, in after the chapter, um, then there's a chapter titled "Resource Drain" or "Resource," which is mm-hmm. all about social security and working and encore careers and all that. And the question at the the first question of composing. There are several questions at the end of each chapter, Um, at this point in your life, what do you consider to be your life work, whether paid or unpaid? In what ways are you doing what you want to be doing? In what ways could you move more toward doing what you want to be doing? Mm -hmm. And so on. So I like that um, idea of it's not just a book to read and then put down and go to the next book, but rather to use. That's what my hope is for it that it can be used to help us to um, compose our lives in, in a in a way that's more happy, more productive, more that that makes us happier people.
1: Yeah, and I think as you point out too, um, it doesn't um, basically uh, cover over the hardships as you get older. There are hardships. No. There are difficulties. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, at the same time, uh, I think that you phrase it that you can, you know, re- rediscover the wonder of life. I think that's a view that Casals was talking about. And I think that's you know, as you get a sense of perspective and certain things drift away and in some cases there are losses, but you know, as the losses um you you go through them, they they in some ways can um uh well, I don't want to say losses are losses. So as you pointed out earlier, they stay with you. The traumas can stay, but they, mm-hmm. they you survive them and they get uh, transformed into uh, the next part of your life. Um, and I think if we sort of accept that, I mean, some of this, uh, some people call it you know, radical acceptance of uh, certain aspects of our life. But that doesn't mean resignation. It means that you no, to it. No, be
2: active, yeah.
1: Yeah, in terms of well, what options can you can you do now you know yeah whether-
2: and yeah and let's talk a little bit about loneliness can we do that sure um because um uh the thing well talk in lon- loneliness in general i mean there's a topic of conversation that goes on about loneliness of old people mm-hmm. i would like to change that topic to loneliness of everyone. Okay. Because um, chronic loneliness is very, very dangerous, especially that we've gone through the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And it's a a lonely child you do not want. You do not want a lonely, um, I mean, I'm talking about chronically lonely. Of course, when your best friend dies, you're going to feel lonely. So that's not, but chronic loneliness, you do not want your adolescent to be chronically lonely. You do not want your 20-year-old You do not want your 40 year old um who has just been divorced you do not want or your old person you do not want chronic loneliness it's supposed to be as bad as um you know drunk driving and other stuff (laughs) that's not good um and so um that is true um but what happens to us that is different is these losses because our the dear friends of our life start predeceasing us. Mm-hmm. And this happens to everyone. I mean, I think I I just you can't the older you get, the more this happens. So if you can imagine a centenarian, how many people that person has lost. I mean they've lost pretty much everyone that they knew back when, you mm-hmm. know. And so um what is really and we and and so one of the purposes of art is elegizing and remembering and so mm-hmm. it's not like we're gonna we're gonna remember we're gonna elegize um and uh and part of our art or if we if we turn to an art form part of it can be the collage can be about that um, but it is also true that it is really important to be proactive in connecting with new people Mm-hmm. Because we do not want to just one by one lose every friend, which is in your 90s. I mean, that is what happens. That's I'm only 79. I've lost about 10 people um, or 15, really more like 15 people. I think I wrote down a list, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. and I don't mean casual friends. I mean, dear friends of my right. life, not to mention family members. So, um, yeah, and so it's one thing we can do. Uh, for ourselves is to seek out communities and we can seek out communities by being active in in some project whether it's a creative project or whether it's um, like my father um, who moved to Seattle where I live and and his other daughter lives here um, when he was um, 85 and he Became he's, he was a farmer and he um, was sort of an amateur botanist. He knew the name of every plant that
1: mm-hmm. he passed
2: on the street. Um, and he helped the um, the friends meeting uh, down the street to take out this huge um, invasive, garden of invasives and plant a native garden. Mm-hmm. I still walk by there every day, and, and he died at age 91. But he had a con- contribution to make because that's what he loved to do. But also he got a new community there. So that's what happens.
1: Yeah. And again, just going back to what we were talking about before about the nature of creativity. I know we're sort of stretching it if we're not producing, you know, uh, novels or art or, um, uh, you know, dancing and so forth. But even I think as i are talking, I'm thinking that even forging new friendships is sort of a creative act. You know, yeah. that it takes... Oh. You know, how do you again going back to your metaphor of composing your life? So that's part of what you need to do to be productive and happy and and connecting with people. So that connection is, you know, and you know, putting yourself on the line to do that is, in a sense, uh, a force of creativity.
2: Yeah. And if if one is disabled and has trouble leaving the house, then that's a problem. That's not a problem. It's a problem. It's a challenge to overcome. It's not. Uh, the the end of the world. It, there are, you know, as especially, of course, as we know, since um, the pandemic, um, we have Zoom, we have other ways of connecting. Right. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, we're coming um, close to our end. Unfortunately, we have a lot of, we've talked about a lot of stuff. I just wanted to make sure, um, uh, first of all, but um, if people want to learn more about you, um there's priscilla long dot uh, com right you have a website yes, yeah.
2: yes. priscilla Long.com. yeah and right. buy my book <laughs> <laughs> right. dancing can, with the muse and all age come on
1: <laughs> can you can you buy i suppose you could buy it on amazon can you buy it you on can website? buy it
2: anywhere anywhere books are sold including amazon including barnes and noble including your independent bookstore including everywhere <laughs>
1: <laughs> good good glad to know that okay so um any last thoughts on you know what uh uh, what people can do in terms of confronting this, because I you know it's it seems ironic that as we are you know we are aging as a society, and yet there are these persistent stereotypes um, about you know getting older. Any last thought about that?
2: Yeah, I think that um, it helps us all to push against them as best we can and to uh, and like all of us are all of us in kind of mainstream America. Um, there are subcultures. There are, like, for example, um, I, I don't know if we have time to go into the memory thing. Um, do we, how much time do we have?
1: <laughs> we have just a couple minutes, but uh... oh,
2: okay. Well, I mean, um, in in societies and subcultures where elders are highly respected, mm-hmm. um, the memory of the elders is the same as the memory of the younger's. Unlike in mainstream America, so to understand some of the science about that and to push against it it helps not only oneself one's own individual life it helps everyone it helps the community it helps the grandchildren it helps i mean becca levy's work at the yale school of public health where she discovers that in these longitudinal studies where Uh, young people who have a negative 20-year-olds who have a negative attitude toward aging and toward old people have seven years less Mm. life to live, Mm. um, have much greater chance of cardiac stroke, dementia. So to learn about it and to push against um, the ageism, I think, uh, in and in positive ways to engage, to find, you know, what is it that I might like to do
1: Okay. Um, I mean,
2: and what is it that how can I I have all these years and we don't know. I mean that's what we don't know. We don't know how long we have but okay. what how can I make use of this life because it's all we've got. We've got our life. That's it. Great. <laughs> okay. <we're> <laughs> well on that on that
1: note um, uh, th- I if you missed my conversation with Priscilla today you can listen to it on voiceamerica.com to search for my show 45 forward. Be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern, when I'll be talking with Hillary Topper, who became a triathlete in her 50s. So until then, folks, keep moving forward, 45 forward.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Rowell for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.